Well, good morning. We are so glad that you are here. We greet you in the name of Christ. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Pete Moon, one of the pastors here, and we are excited that you are a part of our worship here this morning. We welcome you who are in person. We welcome those of you who are with us on live stream. Uh, we're excited as we enter into this time of worship. As you can see up front here, we have a whole lot of things that are going to be happening this day. Uh, first of all, we are continuing our theme for these weeks entitled uh, A Beautiful City. And last week, we spent some time remembering that God's compassionate look upon the city of Richmond and how we can do the same thing. Today we're going to zoom in a little bit on that and we're going to talk about how you and I, by God's grace, can be means of healing in many of the racial divisions that are here uh, in our city and in our world. We're going to say a good bit more about that. But as we think about the challenges of our world, I also would like to invite you to pay some attention to our opportunity to participate in an offering for those who are struggling after the earthquake in Syria and Turkey. There's a means through which we can do that. If you are like me, you continue to be overwhelmed by the numbers coming out of there. And there is the opportunity for you and I to respond through UMCOR and be a part of the healing prayerfully of that land. We also want to celebrate that this Sunday is Scout Sunday. Uh, we celebrate the scouts that are a part of our ministry and in this church. And they're here today. To They're going to process in just a second. They're going to come forward. And as they do, we remember and celebrate the very good work that goes on all through the week and weekends here in this place. They're going to participate in various parts of the service, including a, a ministry moment and uh, some scripture readings. So we, we invite them to come forward now, and I offer you these words. The Lord be with you.
I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and join me now for our call to worship. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. I will declare that your love stands firm forever. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. together. Having gathered into the presence of the Holy God, let us now confess who we are with our prayer of common confession and then our silent personal confession. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, have mercy on us. We desire to do what is right, and yet we have set up distinctions within our hearts and minds about one another. We have judged others and fail to judge ourselves. We have presumed privilege and ignored those who have not had it. Forgive us, O Lord, and lead us into a renewed vision of your kingdom where all the tribes and nations are gathered around your throne. This we ask through Christ our Lord.
Hear now the good news. It is the Lord who watches over the city, and it is the Lord who brings his grace, his love, and his mercy and healing to the city and to all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. I invite you now to share signs of peace and reconciliation with those around you. like to invite there any of the children to come on up. We're going to have our time together. If you're here, come join us for our children's time now. Come on up. Here you go. Come on. We got a space for you. Come on. We got lots of room up here. Come on. Good to see you. Come on. Now, remind me while they're coming up here. You know, I can't remember all these things. What was the last line of the song you all just sang? What was it? God? God loves us all. God loves us what? All. God loves us all. Well, I really appreciate that. You come on up. Come on. Because, you know what? That's something important to remember. Um, Because I have this question for you. I bet this... Come on. We got room for you, brother. Come on up. 
Come on up, because God loves us all. You know what? Um, I bet that this never happens in your house, but I had five children, and sometimes in uh, our house, we would ask our children to do something. And uh, you know what they would sometimes say? Put their arms together and they'd say, I don't want to. Now, this probably never happens in your house, does it? Never. <laughs> well, sometimes it's not the right thing to do, is it? Because sometimes it happens. We don't want to uh, eat everything on our plate. We don't want to get dressed to go to church in time. And sometimes we say, I don't want to. But today in church, we're learning about, continuing to learn about this man called Jonah, right? Because God asked Jonah to do something. And you know what Jonah said? I don't want to. He said, I don't want to. And you know what You know what God asked Jonah to do? He said, I want you to go to this place called Nineveh. And you know why Jonah didn't want to go there? Those people were different. Those people weren't like him. And the people had a different skin color than he had. And so, hey, I don't want to go with those people. I don't want to talk to those people. I don't want to. And so he ran away. You know the story. God sent a fish, brought him back. So one of the things we're learning about today in church is sometimes we as church people and grown-ups... We can be kind of like Jonah. God asks us to do sometimes some hard things. And sometimes we say, I don't want to. Because sometimes it's hard to meet people who are different from us. Sometimes it's hard to listen to people whose skin color is different from us. Sometimes that's hard, and they, we have to hear hard things. But it's important to remember that we're learning together as a church today that even though sometimes we say, I don't want to, God teaches us to do hard things and listen to people who are different from us, even if they have a different color of skin, even if they come from a different country, even if they don't act the same way we do. We're all learning today in church how important that is. Can you all remember that? All right, let's put our hands together and let's say a prayer. Dear God, thank you so much that you love us all. Help us to love everybody, just like you. Amen. Now, I think some of you are going to stay here, and some of you are going to go on back to your seats. So it's so good to see all of you, and we're glad you're here today. The, the ringers are going to stay, and the rest of you can go on back.
take this opportunity to invite Ian Coddington to come forward. Yeah. He is going to, he's uh, Assistant Scoutmaster at um, our troop, and he's going to come offer a word for us today. And even, Ian, we are always grateful for you. i got to tell you, I've had the opportunity to meet with Ian over the last couple weeks, and I, I have never seen him without a smile on his face. He is such a positive presence and offers such great leadership along with all of our other scout leaders for all that happens here in this place. Ian, we thank you uh, for a word today. Thank you, Pete. Good morning. I'm Ian Coddington, one of the adult leaders of Troop 444. Almost 85 years ago, Horace Mallory and eight scouts formed Scout Troop 44, chartered to Monument Methodist Church. In 1953, Monument Methodist Church purchased the Reveille site, which became Reveille United Methodist Church today. Troop 444 has been part of the Reveille United Methodist Church's ministry for over 70 years. Currently, the troop has 55 active youth members and 10 registered and trained adult leaders. Our emphasis is on backpacking, outdoor skills, and more importantly, developing youth leadership supervision of skills. The troop is youth-led with adult supervision. Besides the normal Boy Scout development programs for rank advancement to become an Eagle Scout, there is a major commitment requirement for community service. To name a few that the troop has been involved in, built structures for the Shalom Farm Foods Program, erected a large outdoor playground program a playground facility for the Anna Julia Cooper School, participated in Habitat for Humanity projects, assisted with various Reveille youth functions. And in December of this year, Scouts recently finished a two and a half year project establishing a two mile walking trail uh, system for Agecroft Hall. This entailed collectively over a hundred 50 scouts from the troop working over 1,100 man hours. I would like to take this moment to thank all of the members of Reveille Church, along with the pastoral and support staff for everything due in supporting the mission of the Boy Scouts.
The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the degree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock, shall taste anything. They shall not, not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Today's second lesson is from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 12, which may be found on page 999 of your pew Bible. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, they cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, we gather around your word this day. And we, as your church, take on a hard subject, the issue of racism. It is our prayer that you would open up our hearts and minds, that you would equip us with a word of grace, that we may hear that you would equip me with a word of grace, that I might speak, enable us as your people to take on this thing, for we offer you these words for your honor and glory, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, as we mentioned at the opening of our service, we are continuing a sermon series entitled A Beautiful City, 
You might remember that last week we asked everybody to climb up the steeple and look into the city of Richmond for all its challenges and for all its difficulties and remember God's view to Richmond as it was in Nineveh, a view of compassion. And today we're trying to hold on to that same view as we look into our city and look at one of the uh, most severe challenges we as a community face, and that is particularly the issue of racial division. And as we shared with the children, we find plenty of timely guidance for Jonah as the verses speak into this enduring issue. As we share with the children, Nineveh, it was a different culture, a different ethnicity, a people that the Jews, but most especially Jonah, really did not like. And so Jonah, if you heard the story at the end, Jonah was ready for God's judgment to come raining down on those Ninevites. But surprisingly, God saw these folks, sinful, pagan, idolatrous as they were, saw these folks with compassion. And therein, friends, is our launching point for the morning, for addressing racism in our community. That's, could we do that? Could, could we see the people around us, people of different cultures, people of different skin color, can we see them and continue to see them through God's eyes? instead of Jonah's? And can we encourage others to take on that same view? Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? You see, the temptation is to be the prophet Jonah, but to be so with the opposite message. Go into the city, prophesy against the evils of racism, tell folks they need to repent, and then wait and see what happens. And while certainly understanding the need for action, let me underscore that there is something else that is more important, or at least more foundational, as we begin. For the most part, not entirely, but for the most part, we are a white church. And though we have very good intentions, perhaps we can begin with a premier step. Because for us, being a means of healing racial division in RVA can begin with what I am offering as a thematic word to our sermon today. Listening. Listening. Specifically, we listen to the scriptures. We listen to people of color in our community. And we listen with grace to one another. And as we will see, perhaps we need to listen less to the political and cultural forces that have defined the narrative around this issue for so long so that we can walk out in a different perspective. Let me see if I can illustrate this because in just a few hours, I'm pretty sure that um, most of us are going to be doing the same thing. We're going to be watching this little football game going on this afternoon, right? And in that game, we're going to see a prime illustration about the priority and the power of listening as a means of healing divisions. Because you may be looking forward to all those Super Bowl ads this afternoon or this evening, and you know the story. Companies pay millions of dollars for those ads because something like 100 million people will be watching the Super Bowl tonight. And if you've read the, some of the ads in the news articles ahead, 
you know that there is going to be, although a subtle, there's going to be tonight, as an ad, an advertisement for Jesus himself. You may have heard of some of the um, advertising campaign entitled, He Gets Us. And it's a, it's a well-funded campaign, and they will eventually spend something like $1 billion. What's fascinating is that it is born of an anonymous donor, but also born of some folks who have been well-known to support pretty conservative political causes, folks like Hobby Lobby. Now, there's been criticism on both sides on this, but what's fascinating is, despite all that, these ads, they offer a very different vision of Jesus. One who is with immigrants, surprisingly. One who is facing a death penalty. And the point being, ultimately, in the ad, that he gets us. I was so interested to read uh, an article this week in Christianity Today, where the director of this whole campaign was interviewed. And I guess advertising folks, they always have a guiding statement for their work. And he offered what was the guiding words, the guiding sentence for this entire campaign. He said, and I quote, How did the world's greatest love story in Jesus become known as a hate group? You see what's happening now? I I find it fascinating that some of the most conservative elements in our culture are, are seeing this. They are recognizing that all of us have been tone deaf to people around uh, who are not in our worship services today. And they, they're, that's occurring largely because so much of our society has cranked up the political volume so that we have this division, and the result is the ads that you see here today. The point is, maybe that's not a bad idea. Maybe they're onto something. To make sure that we are never tone deaf to the people around us, and that we can heal that by listening. Again, first thing we do is we listen to the scriptures and what they have to say about racism and what they have to say about being a means as the church of healing. And some of you might be thinking, you know what, this is really not that hard. The scriptures are clear, and in part, you would be right. Racism racism is bad. God is against it. Let's not do it. Let's say a prayer, take an offering, sing a hymn, and go to lunch. But you, and you can find a sermon full of scripture to support that exact point. But the problem is, this simple statement is just that. It's another law. It's another do. It's another don't. It's sort of a Nancy Reagan, uh, just say no program. It's true and right, but it lacks depth. It lacks power. It lacks inspiration. And when you open up the pages of scripture, brothers and sisters, there is, there is so much more. Remember how the scriptures have themes. Remember the flow of the pages and the verses and the chapters. Remember how we have proclaimed from when you open up Genesis all the way to Revelation, there is a continuing theme that points you and me to the person of Jesus Christ. All rivers and waters flow through the verses to the one who is the word. But underneath all that primary theme, there's also a secondary theme. A reminder that from the Tower of Babel all, Babel all the way to that which we have read in Revelation today, the end of the Bible, the holy people are called to move out. Holy people are called to go to different cultures, different nations, different races, and make disciples, I quote from Jesus, of all nations. But even more than that, as beautiful as that theme is, 
Did you see the beauty, the beauty of that passage that was just read from the book of Revelation? It describes the end where every tribe, every nation, every language, every color, it's all before the Lamb himself. And they are singing. All the tribes, all the nations, all the ethnicities, they are singing songs of praise to the Lamb. With wor- and what's fascinating, if you listen to the lyrics that they're singing, they're not that much different from the hymns that we sing right from this room every single week. I don't miss the power and the beauty of that image. It's almost as if God himself is on his throne and he hears that wonderful music and praise from the church eternal and still he hears our singing right here from this place in a sort of stereophonic sound and the mix of the two makes this beautiful worshipful noise and image before the God, our God. That beautiful image of earthly music and, and heavenly music combining in a vision of the kingdom. Think about if we can transport that same image into that picture of all the nations gathered before the Lamb in eternity. And what if we can offer that same thing here and now in this work? It's a beautiful picture of the kingdom that will be and our work and what we do now. As powerful as that is, it is also easy to overlook the most powerful tool that enables us to deal with racism in our lives and in our community. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate. Many of you may be aware that we often have funerals right in this room, and when we do, there's often, though not always, often a casket that's right there. And there are times where the family elects to have a simple pall, P-A-L-L, draping over the casket. That's a simple piece of cloth, covers the casket, but it always has a cross on it. And you see, there is a message in all of that. In the simplicity of it all, there's a clear point. That everybody is equivalent in death. The president is no different from that person you're going to meet on the median of a street as you make your way home asking for money. You know, Mennonites, Amish, they do the same thing in a graveyard. All gravestones are the same. Because they want to make this statement a spiritual point that all of us need to remember. That when you and I stand before Jesus in eternity, all other identities melt that distinguish us melt away. Our political identity, which may take so much power in this life, it dissolves. Our financial identity, irrelevant. Our education level, it doesn't matter in that place. You see, all the things that you and I do and work so hard at at this life to justify ourselves, to distinguish ourselves, when you get to that place in eternity, they're just not the big criteria for admission. And even our ethnic identity, though surprisingly still there in the text, it's not the deal breaker. Do you see the point? All the things that so often we use as a part of us in this world to lift us up, to distinguish us, us, to identify us, and to justify us, in eternity, they dissolve. And the only thing that matters at that point 
The only thing that remains is yours and my relationship to Jesus Christ and the cross. And you see, if we hold on to that view, if that identity is central in this life as it will be in the next, there's no place for racism. Or more particularly, no merit for me to claim any superiority over others on the basis of education, ethnicity, resources. Those things are not as big of a deal to Jesus. And then if we hold on to that and recognize that all of us are simply sinners in the hands of a merciful God, we begin to see with new eyes. And then from that place we can do what Jesus did in humility, kneel down and lift other people up, even those from other races, because our identity is in Jesus, not in those other things that thinkingly could, could distinguish us. To make this all clear, I offer an illustration from the scriptures, from the story of Peter and Paul in the book of Galatians. Do you remember that story? Peter was working with the Gentiles, and he did that until his fellow Jews showed up. And then he, uh, in the words of the text, he withdrew from them. And then Paul showed up. And Paul tells the account of how he rebuked Peter for withdrawing from these other ethnic groups. And he said, uh, and I quote, you're not acting in, tr in the truth of the gospel. He went on, if you listen to the rest of the story, he said, and I quote, you nullify the grace of God. See, that's what we do if we use our any identity to lift us up over another clan. When we stake our claim in other identities in Jesus, when we exclude other people who are different from us, we too nullify the gospel, the grace of God. And so we take on racism in our community, but, and we listen to the scriptures because there is such power, inspiration, hope, and beauty there that can propel us into our work. But we also take some time to listen to one another. We all have different perspectives, and we do what we have been doing for a long time as a church. We take some time to listen to people of color. You know, I have a good friend who has been instrumental in my life. We have known each other for many years. I am spiritually indebted to him. And we get together as often as we can, because he is inspirational to me, and I hope I'm the same to him. But he comes from a, and he comes from a politically conservative tradition. But he also is a man who works very hard on racism. He and his wife have fostered uh, African-American children. They work hard at ministries for Chinese students who are visiting from the country. Uh, we sat down a couple years ago, and he, he, we met, and we had our usual conversation, but he voiced some concerns with me, because I had been a part when I was on the district. I worked on some district efforts with um, African-American churches, and he saw in all of that a sort of uh, political engagement with which he was not comfortable. So he, he was kind of calling me on all that, and we, we dug down into it and tried to discern what's, what's going on in this. It turned out that he really had these strong objections to the words that were passed around in all of that systemic racism. That was the issue that was really kind of a, a deal breaker for him. Because from his perspective, um, individual responsibility is discounted when you emphasize this term and this concept. I shared with him my perspective. You know, my wife and I, Lynn, we, 
uh, raised five kids in Prince Edward County where systemic racism was a part of really putting so many people behind for years. So it was just presumed for me. We had this conversation. We talked through it. and we're all, We were all good at the end, but it was a healthy discussion to understand each other's perspectives. But I tell you that story because it's such a contrast to all the stories we have been having uh, with our partner churches. You know, in preparation for this sermon, I took some time to sit and listen to um, uh, our partner churches, and particularly to Larry Branch, who's the pastor of Love Center of Unity, kind of to clearly understand their perspective in this conversation. And what's fascinating is this same word came up, systemic racism, as something that they have to deal with and um, they have to process in so many ways. A key part of our gatherings are gathered around that, that theme. And you might remember there was a fascinating quote in one of our conversations for change that addressed this whole thing about uh, uh, one, of the, one of the persons mentioned how there's that line that we need to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But he said, you know what? It's hard to pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you don't have any boots. And it helped illustrate kind of the challenge in all of this, and I hope it's helpful for all of us. Well, you may be asking, why does all this matter? When we're trying to be agents of hope and healing in the racial division in our community. And within all of this is this reminder that the fundamental unit of change when it comes to racism is you and me. And implicitly in that is what is our narrative? In other words, what do we believe about all these things? Our narratives, our voices, they, they speak to us and drive our actions. And part of what we do in forming a narrative about our community, about God, about ourselves, is we have the humility as brothers and sisters in Christ to, to kneel down and listen. Listen to the scriptures. Listen to one another. Listen to people of color. And when we have that whole picture from so many voices that is the gift of the church, it fills us with a voice, a narrative, a narrative that is often in contrast with some of the voices of anger and politics and other things that divide so easily. So friends, as we process this whole issue, as we strive to be agents of healing in a community that is struggling in its racial division, let us never forget the gift of the church, the fact that we can listen to the beauty, inspiration, and depth of the scripture. We have profound voices of wisdom right in the room, And we have the gift of being able to hear and listen to the experience of those around us so that, by God's grace, we can do what Jesus did. We can kneel down and lift others up, those who are struggling for life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Most High, you meet us here where we live and invite us to be a part of your purpose. Hear us now as we pray for the church, the world, and all who live in it. We pray for the church universal and for all who work to bring others a word of love and compassion. We pray for our partner churches, Koinonia Christian Church and Love Center of Unity, for our denomination, our bishop, our district superintendent, and our congregation. Help us to hear your call and respond with passion and perseverance, working together with each other and with your Holy Spirit to heal our divisions, especially our racial divisions. We pray for peace among nations and peace among people. Especially today, we pray for an end of war in Ukraine. We pray for our city and our state and our nation. Heal our anger and our divisions. We pray for those who are suffering from calamities of nature. Especially today, we pray for the victims of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. We pray for those who are grieving the loss of family and friends, for those who were injured, and for those who are helping. Give all of them your strength and hope. We pray also for all who are suffering in body, mind, or spirit. Heal their pain and give them comfort and peace. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred that infects our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and through our struggle and confusion, work to accomplish your purposes on earth, that in your good time, all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. We ask all this through your son's name as we pray together the prayer he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All that we have is a gift from God. Let us return our gifts and tithes with glad and generous hearts as the ushers come forward.
Let us pray. Generous and gracious God, we thank you for all the many gifts that you give to us. We thank you for the gift of worshiping here to gather this day and for the gift of your Boy Scouts and your children leading in worship. We thank you for the joy of having them here with us. We thank you also for the gift of your holy scriptures and the ways that they speak to us and for the gift of music and the way you speak to us through that as well. Take these gifts that we offer back to you this day and consecrate them to your use that they might be used in ministry so that all the world might come to know your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Christ, there is no east or west. Let us sing together hymn number 548.
As we prepare to go forth this day, I invite you to take your bulletin with you to see the many opportunities for ways that you can engage here at Reveille. But in particular, I want to draw your attention to the Good Trouble Conference at Belmont United Methodist Church on February 25th. This conference will help us learn how to heal racism here in Richmond. And now the blessing of God Almighty. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you forevermore as we go in peace. And as all God's people say, Amen. Amen.